Welcome back to the Can I Say This at Church podcast. It's been a few weeks, right? Let me give you some context. I had announced to the patrons a few weeks ago that I was going to end season one of the show. I know you, you're sitting there going, wait, season one? Is this like episode 200 and some change? Yeah, I know. I know. We'll call that season one. I don't know how long season two will be, but it won't be that long. But um, yeah, uh, due to a bunch of circumstances, I am going to take a small break from recording new episodes. Now, what am I not taking a break from? I am still reading the books and doing the things that I need to do to prepare for new episodes. And I will soon um, begin recording those again. And um, yeah, there is a lot more context there. If you want to know more about that, you can ask a friend that's on Patreon, or if you're on Patreon, you can go watch that video. Uh, more information than I want to put out here. But all that to say, this will be the last new episode that you hear for a while. I may come in with a couple random things from here to there, and uh, I will still be putting out new content over on Patreon as I read through books and I have thoughts. Uh, those will probably be more video-based than text-based and definitely not real uh, traditional quote-unquote podcasts. But anyway, now that I've said that, I am glad that you're here. So I brought back Matthew DeStefano. Now he is in the middle of writing a book about the wisdom of hobbits. And I hear you, you're, you, you, you listened just now and you said, hobbits, man, I am not in the mood for hobbits today. And um, I would... I would advise you that you are. This is a very good conversation. And so with that, without much anything else after that, uh, for multiple things, one is what you can probably hear the raspiness in my voice. It hurts currently. I was um, recently diagnosed with the coronavirus and um, it is beating up my throat. However, let's rock and roll with this final episode of season one with my friend Matthew. I'm excited about this one because I have absolutely Recording no idea where it's going to go. Like literally, because I've read those books a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and then right. I read your most recent article. But yeah. Yeah. So let's. Well, what? Let's dive in. Let's no, do I was it. just going to say, well, you know, might be the goal of the book will be to not embarrass myself as a Tolkien nerd and to bring people who don't necessarily read Tolkien like a nerd like I do yeah I get more interested I'm more of a Lewis nerd like Prealandria oh, all of all of that stuff oh, oh yeah yeah okay so my daughter's the same way yeah has yeah. she read all of those um we've we've read together like three of them she was in they did they did an adaptation of of the Lion, the witch in the wardrobe for her ballet company so she was um last role she was the um the understudy to Lucy. Okay. I think. And then she had her regular roles. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. The, um, yeah, the, so the Narnia books are not my favorite books of his. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's got, um, he's got out of silent, out of the silent planet, uh, pre right. and then the hideous strength. Those are actually probably my favorite. 
Um, okay. Are those more science fictiony? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like I don't know. How, that's not a really good way to explain them. Um, hmm. I don't know. They're pretty good, but they're not. Yeah. They're still overtly kind of religious. Um, yeah. But in that's... in a, almost a more metaphorical way, if possible, than than the Narnia books. So less uh, allegory, yeah. more metaphor. Yeah. I. That's one of the kind of things that puts me off to Narnia. It's like, dude, this is too much of a one-to-one correspondence here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like in one of the ones i want to say pre-alandria like it's almost like a religious retelling of plato's cave um okay. which is fun but only if you like sure. philosophy yeah. anyway anyway yeah. let's do it let's do it ah because we're all professionals here here we go matthew welcome back to the show i think this is two this might be two this, this is two might be yeah, yeah two so see i can count big numbers two dose big, big numbers well <laughs> Uh, remind me, am I allowed to say cuss words here? You can say whatever you like. Um, well, last time it was the devoted as fuck came out, and now we're going to talk about something entirely different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can say whatever you like. I, my kids do listen to a few, but only if I flag them as non-explicit. But um, okay. I've been known to not edit myself on this, and I will not have you edit yourself. So, okay. yeah, the only thing I edit is is any... Anytime there's stuff in a cup, sometimes that's bourbon, sometimes it's water, sometimes it's coffee, but it's always a coffee mug. It's just none of yeah. anybody's business. Um, that's right. Well, no, I, I, I stopped drinking for my own health, so mm. it is coffee, actually. Oh, it's six, yeah. six it's, so it's seven, it's, that's a, you're not going to sleep. It's, well, no, it's also decaf because I don't drink caffeine either. I'm like so straight edge, except I smoke weed. I'm in California, so you can't get me. You can't get me in trouble. It's legal in Virginia now. You can grow your own oh, plants. Good. I think you can have three. Is what you can grow. Okay. I think well, any more than three, and and you're technically make them three. Make them three huge ones. Yeah, yeah. I think any more than three, and you're like a, you know, like a a drug pusher. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, go. not while yeah. you're here. We had been chatting back and forth. You've written like 87 and a half books, 5 million yeah. blog posts. Um, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of them satirical, which I've been enjoying lurking in the comment sections on Facebook when people are like, is this satirical? My favorite thing <laughs> is where you're like, look at the tags at the bottom, um, yeah. which well, makes me it's, <laughs> it's so like, I like the fact that people don't, I mean, I think the sign of being a good writer of satire is that people don't know if it's satire or not. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing is when they're like, uh, I, I Googled this. Like, so, like you went out of your time. You spent time Googling it and looking for sources. And they're like, where's the source? One person asked for a source on a, a piece that I wrote about a time traveler who was like touting um, uh, natural ha- health instead of vaccines. And he died at like 30 or something. Um, they're like, where's the source for this? I'm like, oh my God, it's, it's time Wait. traveler. So might not be real. Where's the, you should honestly make a small like repository of sources that you just cite back like just buy a domain name oh, and make fantastic. that be like just make up the sources and that way people are like yeah i looked at this source work i bought the book no you didn't you didn't buy the book stop lying you didn't you didn't do it come up with an abstract and everything <laughs> and all that could be fun um, but a lot of time, be. it lot sounds of, like a lot, a lot of work though. Yeah. Well, let, let the kids write the sources. I mean, honestly, that's right. Who cares? Cause nobody's, right. nobody's going to fact check it anyway. Um, no. <laughs> anyway, not while you're here. So we had settled on like religion, theology, Tolkien, and maybe I'm saying all of that wrong. Um, what does Tolkien for those that are unfamiliar with anything outside of the movies, the Lord of the Rings movies, 
have to do with religion, faith, theology, etc.? Well, I mean, Tolkien was a devout Catholic, so take from that what you will. Um, I think when people talk about Tolkien and, and Tolkien's Catholicism, as if Catholicism means one thing, I think they're being like mm-hmm. a little bit unfair to the faith because, I mean, I, I grew up, I grew up Protestant, evangelical. Now I'm not, definitely, assuredly. If you listen to the last episode, you know that. But um, uh, I grew up thinking just like, oh, Catholicism meant X, Y, or Z. That's Mm -hmm. it. All Catholics. I mean, it's kind of like this monolithic voice, but um, it's it's not uh, just like any faith tradition, sect, denomination. It's it's not one univocal thing. Um, and, And Tolkien, I think, was really careful not to imbue his writing with his own beliefs. So I, you know, I wrote an article, I don't know if it was a week ago or two weeks ago. I don't know when this comes out, but you know, in, in April, I wrote it, um, uh, asking the question was Tolkien a universalist. And my conclusion is like, spoiler alert. We don't know. Like we don't, mm-hmm. I, I point out to the fact that some of his characters had some prophecy about like a restoration of everything like all humans, all, all children of Iluvatar, which is the name for God in Tolkien's world. Um, but not all prophecies were equal and not all um, characters of, of middle earth had the same philosophy. So I think yeah. that's where Tolkien takes himself out of the, out of the writing entirely. And Middle Earth is its own thing. He's creating a mythology. And so there's questions that Tolkien himself doesn't know. Uh, he, he's taking the role of a translator of books that exist by people and characters who wrote the books from Middle Earth. Yeah. So he's not, he's not writing. I mean, he's literally writing the Lord of the Rings, but in his, in his like portrayal, he's, he's editing or translating, I should say, translating a book that's already written that he's calling the Lord of the Rings, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the character you're referencing there is Tom Bombadil, which, correct? The, that's what you're referencing with the person that said the, the reconciliation or something a minute ago. Is that who you're referencing? Tom, yeah, Tom Bombadil is one of them. Yeah, hmm. he, he has a statement of that. And then there is a, there's an elf who's having a conversation with a human and this isn't in the lord of the rings it's i believe in the silmarillion which is kind of like the mythology mm-hmm. uh of the lord of the uh, of the world where lord of the rings uh, comes from and who is it it's um it's finrod an elf talking to a human or a, a person andreth and he says, if we're indeed the Eruhin, the children of the one, then he will not suffer himself to be deprived of his own, not by any enemy, not even by ourselves. But all we can conclude from that is Finrod was a universalist, right? <laughs> we can't say Tolkien was. I mean, because Tolkien created characters that he himself, you know, didn't know all the way through. The average listener, they've only watched the movies. What do you think would be most... So you're, you're working on a book for, for all of this. Yeah, like what's a book that I take more seriously than theological books, I should say. <laughs> but you're weaving theology into it, correct? Of course, and yeah. yeah, and philosophy and ethics and um, you know ecology and everything. Yeah. yeah. So where does one go with that? Because um, much like the contemporary of Tolkien, you know, Lewis, Tolkien, a lot of people have written a lot of stuff about them. His family, his his son, correct? Um, Help edit. Christopher this. Tolkien was yeah. yeah big involved in editing. And, yeah, yeah. So there's like there's a plethora of work there. Um, so. Ha- 
where do you even begin with that if you're writing to uh, the person I think that would pick that up is either a Lord of the Rings fan and they don't care about religion or maybe it's a religion fan and they're like yeah I mean I watch the movies and I watch yeah. the, the Peter Jackson cut too so that's that's extra I've got the extra 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 movie yeah like yeah. where do you even begin like why where are you, where are you starting with that like why write the books? Who are my target audience? Um, yeah, yeah. Like like pitch me because I've read Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I, I prefer the books over the movies. That's yeah. not always the case, by the way. I'm not that person sure. that says that that's always true. But I do remember because specifically because they're just characters and story arcs that don't exist in the movies, and it pissed me off that they're right. not there because I became invested. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, because I became invested, and and I'm like, well, what? What? The, come on, you just skip things. Like you just you yeah. skipped 300 pages. Who the hell are you? Right. You can't just skip right. 300 pages. Yeah. Right. So how do you begin to tackle that? Like what's, what's, the, I don't know how to, I hope I'm asking that correctly. Yeah, no, you are. It's, um, I think that really is because I'm of the philosophy now that we should, our epistemology, what we know, what we know, how we know what we know starts with like direct experiences. Right. Mm. And so I have found, um, Peace, tranquility, presentness, um, being now in in living in the way that hobbits tend to live in Middle Earth. Um, I make sure to point out that hobbits aren't perfect; they're insular and they're sometimes xenophobic. Mm. And um, so I, I make sure to discuss that. And mm. not all hobbits are. And we see um, we see a story arc with many hobbits who break outside of that insular worldview um you know yeah. frodo sam mary pippin um and, and but i i found peace in in gardening in being one with the earth and in leading a more simple less uh chaotic life and um i think that there's practical wisdom in the in the book that i'm writing and there's practical wisdom all in um i i honestly think tolkien was one of the, the greatest genius minds of our time mm. And so the movies are great, but I think there's something deeper going on there. And I think, I think it's as profound as any other mythology, mm. even though it's fiction. Um, so I see that, and, and Tolkien would be put off by ever be, having his works compared as an allegory. I'm not compa- I'm not allegorizing Middle Earth with the Bible, but I will say I will put it up next to the Bible as as profound of a mythology that exists. Mm. I think there's just so there's so much there that you can that you don't really get from just the films and the films are the films are good for what they are i wasn't a huge fan of the the, the hobbit trilogy but you didn't watch like, it i did not watch no, it. it it's it's okay um but mostly because bilbo doesn't interest me as a character yeah yeah i could i could see that sure and it's hard to make i mean the hobbit was kind of a children's ish juvenile book and mm-hmm. it's good for what it is but it's certainly not three three-hour-long movies, if if that makes sense. Yeah, I've never like I've I've tried to read The Hobbit, and I've never actually finished the book. Um, yeah, I just that character, and and the best part of Lord of the Rings is he's not in the book all that often. Like, like <laughs> it's just, I mean, he's he's almost like the MacGuffin that just begins the story, um, mm-hmm. and then we circle back up eventually. Yeah, but yeah. I, you know, it didn't. Anyway, that's that's me reading my stuff into it. So, sure. what is some of that? So, draw some similarities for those people that you're like, yeah, how can I read the similarity? Which I've never read that book either. What is the theology of, or the mythology, the the uh, theologies 
of yeah. of that world and like what is it that we're learning from that like how do how are we garnering wisdom from that um well see there's not of course there's not one theology throughout you know there's um elves speculate on their relationship to the Valar to Iluvatar, these are the gods and sort of angelic creative being, right? The, like the pantheon mm-hmm. um, in, you know, in their theology. But I, I mean, the first thing that pops to my head when you ask that is that, so the fall of uh, Middle Earth or, or Arda, which is all of creation, right? All the Middle Earth is just a portion of, um, you know, we're, we're familiar with it, but it's just a portion, right? Uh, so the fall is because of some dissonance in uh, a melody sung by these angelic type beings. And I kind of, you know, if you compared that to the fall of, you know, in Augustinian theology or Calvinist theology, where we're totally depraved, where we're worms, where we're all these sort of things, I, I, I see as a musician myself, like someone who, had, you know, I went to school for music. Well, I didn't know. I, I, yeah, I like that analogy or that understanding of a fall much better because, you know, there's this, there's this um, created being, Melkor, who goes by Morgoth later. He's kind of like the big bad guy before Sauron. Uh, he starts to sing this discordant, this um, this dissonant, like a probably even something worse than a minor seventh chord. You know, it could be, you know, a diminished something. And yeah, but that E minor seventh is in all the Hillsong songs, though. So that is the only angelic chord, correct? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say anything Hillsong does <laughs> is angelic at these these days. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the so the point being is that Melkor sings this dissonant chord, uh, this dissonant melody, and Iluvatar is like, there's nothing you can do that's going to thwart this beautiful creation. And so what is created is a visual and physical representation of the music. So everything you read in The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, everything is like a... It's it's the it's the melody that's been created in like real time, right? So all the suffering, all the dissonance in the world is because of Melkor's original, um, you know, counter melody mm-hmm. that that is you know dissonant. But even that is going to be worked toward this this good in the end. And as a musician, it's like, yeah, if you just play, if you just play in your key, it it, it, it like a C major key, right? It's okay, I guess. But it's when you start to, when you, like a, like a minor fourth in a, you know, so if you play an F minor in a C, that's out of key technically. But if you play that in the right way, it's like, oh, it hits you so much more profoundly. Mm-hmm. So in the same way, even though we have all this shit that's going on in the world and great suffering and, and, in the end, it's going to somehow work out and the story's going to be more complete than if nothing bad ever happened. Mm. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go so far as to like universalize that theology as like a theodicy and an explanation for suffering. But I like the analogy much better because, you know, frankly, you know, the analogies for that kind of stuff in Christianity is just uh, so ugh, yeah. uh, meh at best. Yeah. And it is but an analogy. Again, it's a, it's a mythology. So it's not necessarily like some 
theological thesis. It's just a way to explain why, if you're going to explain suffering and the fall and whatever is going on, why so many things are messed up. I like the analogy of a diminished chord a lot better than some of the vapid things we say. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't know music theory, but I do play the guitar. I, yeah. I know like nine different ways to play like a B minor seven. Yeah, um, okay, there you go. And I will say, depending on the song, I'm like, oh yes, right up here, ninth fret, these three strings. This is this is the B minor seven that belongs when the piano yeah. plays it. I have no idea yeah. why, but I do yeah. know that feeling we we're talking about. We're like, yeah, that hits right. Like that is right. so much better. There's no mm-hmm. bass in it. It's all the middle notes, and I know middle notes is not the way to say that. <laughs> that's the way that it is in my head you should see when i'm like when i'm singing and i have to sing like in front of people i, I since i can't read music i'm basically drawing a waveform on how i should be hitting the notes but i have no idea how it clicks in my head yeah. but for some reason your, your analogy there it hits so you say in your most recent blog post that you are leaning towards tolkien being influenced possibly by george mcdonald why like I don't know enough about Tolkien or honestly George MacDonald to to do that. Though I will say I've been I'm sure these exist elsewhere. Um, but I've put two of these out. So I've been audibly recording his unspoken sermons, partly because mm-hmm. I want to speak them, even though I'm certain someone else has done them. But I've never read them, never been yeah. influenced by them. So I've only done the first two: the Consuming Fire and I, uh, the something in the mist, Child in the Midst, I think is what it's called. Um, the first two. Um, how is that influence present in the writings of Tolkien? Like, where are you drawing that from? Oh, I don't, I, I, the, the inspiration for saying that was just sort of offhanded. I don't, I would say there was definitely probably some, um, some indirect influences. I would say that because of Tolkien's relationship with Lewis, who was highly influenced by MacDonald, mm. that, uh, Tolkien would at least be, um, kind of secondhand, at least, knowledgeable about him mm. um george mcdonald was scottish i believe tolkien uh i think was born in south africa or lived there for a short period of time but then lived in the uk mm. um i mean i would i would say that some of some of uh iluvatar got you know god in the silmarillion would kind of have some of that same passion and fire and um i think understanding of I think the understanding of a sort of restorative justice, those themes are, are prevalent in Tolkien's mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. And, and same with George MacDonald. Um, for instance, you know, the, the men of the East who fight alongside Sauron at the end of the Return of the King, Aragorn pardons them. Um, they never, you know, <laughs> they never fought for the men of the West with the elves and the dwarves. And, and so Aragorn as a king figure um, is... Um, you know, it tends toward the side of, of mercy and, and, and forgiveness and um, a, a sort of restorative justice in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. What is, so I want to ask some questions about just what I read in, in your last blog post, because I don't know any of these names like Morgoth, and I'm not even sure that I'm going to say these right. I'm also very thankful. I don't know if you know this or not, in all the extra free time that we have when we do podcasts, um, I transcribe these. And so I'm excited that these words, I do not have to go and find <laughs> in the similar because some of them are in the blog post. And if I can't find one, I'm just going to message you and say, Hey, at minute go, seven, what the heck is that word? Like, I don't know what that is. Um, yeah. cause it matters. They're real, they're real words that someone bled onto a page. And so 
want to be respectful of that. Like, what is that character? Is that, um, I don't know. What, like, what is that character? And I guess to kind of contrast it in relationship to a Sauron or even in relationship to the, to the church or the faith or the, like, what would that character, mm. like, what would that correlation be for today? I guess, um, well, okay. So Melkor, Morgoth. So, uh, I think Melkor originally, and then, uh, after the, the quote unquote fall generally goes by the term Morgoth. I mean, so he's like more of a, um, so a part of the Ayunur, A-I-N-U-R, uh, it's like a, um, I'm trying to think of an analogy, kind of like an angelic being or something in mm. that sort of um, metaphysical, ontological hierarchy. Uh, fell first, uh, you know, fell away from the melodic, happy, major, probably major key music. Mm -hmm. And um, Sauron was, uh, you know, like his chief um, captain, general, in a way. If if you you know if you want to use like sure. army terms. Okay. Uh, so I guess Morgoth would be like the devil of sorts, and Sauron would be whoever the whoever the demon, the opposite of like Michael, the the archangel. Gotcha. You know, that sort yeah. Of, you know, if yeah. we're gonna compare and contrast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So how do I want to say this? So is there a systematic theology to the world of Tolkien? I would. Yes and no, I guess. Um, probably certain characters would have systematic theologies and some would have none. Like mm. hobbits have no religion at all. They're completely secular. Mm. Um, in the book, I say that the, the only thing religious is their love of farming. Um, <laughs> like so, they, uh, so yeah. It, it, I would say they're they're systematic. Yeah, but maybe the elves would probably have more systematic theology um, than the hobbits, and the dwarves are entirely different. And the men are the men. Yeah. So. You begin the book. When is it out? Like when is when is it oh, going to be published? I, uh, I I don't know. Fall how maybe. So how much have you written? I'm pushing towards half. Huh. Yeah. So where do you jump into? Do you open up? Like are you are you just lifting directly from Lord of the Rings or the Similarian or The Hobbit or I assume there are other books that I'm unaware of. I've I've literally only read those three books. Um, yeah. Like are you just lifting characters and then breaking them apart are you lifting out themes like what like how are you going about it yeah so the the title is called the wisdom of hobbits mm -hmm. so i'm specifically focusing on hobbits though i do talk about all sorts of other things mm -hmm. um but i i'm i'm focusing on on them because i you know tolkien has this famous quote in one of his letters letter 153 maybe i don't know um where he says i'm, I'm a hobbit in all but size i like good tilled earth good plain food, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I, you know, I kind of see myself as a very tall hobbit. I'd be the tallest by far. I'm six foot three. Um, <laughs> I think the tallest <laughs> hobbits were Marion Pippin at four foot six or five. <laughs> um, but no, so I'm, I'm jumping into themes, but I'm obviously coloring the pages with a lot of in-depth character analyses yeah. and, you know, footnoting, you know, the hell out of it. Um, but I'm, you know, I start out by talking about, you know, that, 
life seems to be such where we'll enjoy our time the most if we have an adv- some sort of adventure and if we have some place to call home. Hmm. It seems that if we're too adventurous and we don't have roots, you know, we we miss something. But if we're too homebound and we never take any sort of adventure, then we become insular and, and um, xenophobic even. And I point that out in chapter two and talk about all the ways in which, I mean, Lord of the Rings starts off with a gossip session about how hobbits in Bywater and Hobbiton think that people in, or hobbits in Buckland, which is like, I don't know, 50 to 100 miles away only, are just these most strange, bizarre, they talk all sorts of shit about them. So mm. they're very closed off and and... In order to break free from that, we need hobbits that are extraordinary, like Sam and Mary and Pippin and Frodo and even Bilbo, uh, your your most favorite hobbit. Um, <laughs> but it's it's in that breaking out of their own tribe, so to speak, that they see that elves and dwarves and men aren't aren't what we think, right? That we don't have to be afraid of them, and we don't. I mean, they could be friendly. They could be just like us uh, in in many ways. Uh, different, but just like us in many ways. So the practical application of that is, you know, contact hypothesis and the, the people we hate, we need to, we need to be in contact with. We need to see that there is a human being or a hobbit on the other side of that person that we presuppose is really this horrible, you know, creature. Yeah. Um, but in order to break free from that, we need to have some sort of adventure. We need to step outside of our little tiny tribe. Yeah. So how does one then, um, stay away from the siren song that is the seducing nature of insular thought. Like if you're a hobbit or a human where you're like, yeah, but this feels like I like my echo chamber and I'm really good at being here. Um, and I have a place here and I know where it is. Like how do you resist that siren song? That's a good question. I think that could be, one of the most difficult questions to answer because it seems that I don't want to say, I don't want to fall for the trap of saying in this day and age, we've always done this. It's just that this day and age has kind of bred what we already are. So social media, we, the algorithm, the algorithms feed our, sorry, people are messaging me. Don't they know I'm on Seth's show? They don't. They don't. They, f- <laughs> <laughs> they need to know. <laughs> you know, the social media in this day and age, the, the, it, it feeds what, what's already there. And um, it, it kind of builds this echo chamber for us, though we would find a way to, you know, I mean, Tolkien obviously wrote these before social media and the internet. So mm. there was something to the fact that many of us do stay in our own little tribe and it's it's very comfortable and um, the breaking out is, is really difficult. I think the biggest way we do that is with the help of others. So if we are homophobic and our kid comes out gay, we're, we're, we're forced to make a choice of it's going to be an adventure of sorts because you're going to have to wrestle with this thing. And, um, the sad part is that many a times we resist uh, opening up our boxes and then we demonize our own children and especially in the church um, kicking out LGBTQ folks and kids and in, into the streets. And yeah. um, so there's a huge risk in, in all that. But I think just, it's probably like a 10 pronged answer. I mean, we need 
better education. We need to read more books. We need to take seriously the fact that we don't even know what we don't know. Mm. So if you're talking like theology and someone you've mentions black liberation theology for the first time, and you're like, why does that even matter? Well, you can't answer that question until you listen to the person who's talking about it. Yeah. And then hopefully you'll see, I mean, so it, how we get out of that, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. You read my book and, and realize how wonderful Middle Earth is, even <laughs> though the Shire is wonderful too, you realize how wonderful Middle Earth is as well. And you do, you won't know what you're missing until you go out and see, oh, Rivendell's wonderful. Or, you know, and there's it's scary too. Yeah. But, but you know, it's... Um, yeah. Yeah. What does, um, what does Empire work, look like for Hobbitdom? Oh, it's, um, there's really, that's not, I mean, empire would be a, uh, like a silly phrase to use or a word to use for them. <laughs> They're very, um, so hobbits have a thane and a sheriff and the thane is more like the queen of England. Now mm-hmm. it's kind of just the novelty. There's not really any real power in there. The sheriff is kind of a de facto police force, but mainly like just delivering the mail and, and squashing <laughs> like maybe most disputes are, are taken care of family to family. Um, they're very, I don't want to say anarchists, Mm -hmm. uh, because they certainly, they certainly do well when a King of the, the whole region is, you know, on their side, you know, protecting and everything. Um, so they would support a monarchy in, in a way, uh, though, internally in the shire there there's no so i mean there's no such thing it's um it's a very laissez-faire type of situation going on there <laughs> and so the thane basically owns most of the property and then gets all that tax credit from it if, if, the if thane, the i don't think the the thane owns any of the property you just said like the queen of england i just wanted to make the you know the proper oh yeah yeah why not okay well in that way it would not be like the queen of england then uh but in terms of like not actually doing much um, the thane is kind of just you know yeah well they make the rounds you know shake hands sure. kiss babies um yeah, yeah do the things so putting oneself in a mindset of a hobbit what would that type of a person stand to gain from, I guess, transporting their mindset into the world that we live in now? Like what is there to be gleaned that is good from, from the, living like a hobbit? No, from living the way you and I do um, in the world that we are. If, if, if the inverse was the same. So say someone oh. is a hobbit writing a book about the world that you live in, Matthew. And they're like, yeah, the wisdom of humans. What would they bring oh. back? I think that, um, wow, that's a great question. I would hope that they would encourage one another, like we were talking about, to step outside of their own little uh, mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. To, to, to still love it and to still cherish it, but to step outside. And um, I would hope, though I think we'd fail because we fail at this, I would hope that because hobbits hated industrialization, I I guess I wished or I'd hope that the hobbits would find the humans who are doing a more ecologically 
minded type of industrialization. Um, though I think humans do fail at that as well. Uh, I'm not um, sure how to do ecologically minded industrialization. Does that, that feels like an well, oxymoron. I mean, yeah. I mean, but I think there could be, I think there's companies who create products on a bigger scale who have respect for the globe, though I don't think they're the biggest companies and corporations, but mm. I would, you know, I've, I, I, there's gotta be companies that I know that, I mean, like clean canteen is a local, um, canteen company that has gotten pretty huge and they ship worldwide. Um, but they have a very, um, progressive ecological focus. Mm. So, you know, this isn't clean canteen, but you know, these big canteens. Yeah. Um, so I, I know it can be done though. You know, like I said, I think hobbits would run into humans who predominantly fail at that. Um, so I guess that doesn't answer your question. <laughs> I honestly, you, you know, I'm a cynic, so I love human, you know, I love humanity and I don't like most humans and <laughs> I, I don't know I'm what they glean person. from a sad, What's wrong sad with I mean, people? maybe they'd be like, oh, they got some cool cars. Uh, they can fly. <laughs> That's cool. Yes. They went to, they went to Mars and flew into a, dick shaped rocket maybe that's cool but i don't that think they happen. would think that's cool at all that did happen um, paid for on the back of of books um so basically yes. lord of the rings financed probably three percent of that well of, with how many books they sell yeah i know i didn't finance much of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah in some small shape and form yeah J.R. tolkien helped fly a, a penis rocket into into outer space and okay and, you write that book i'm gonna stick with mine i'm not writing that book um <laughs> mostly because i don't know how to title that um, <laughs> do you remember like last year i had all those weird ad breaks like it would just randomly be something we're not doing that instead i thought i'd do this i need your help if you're able to head on over to the website for the show there are two things that you can do one is you head over to the website you click the Patreon button or support button, I forget what I call it, and you jump in there. Those people help make the show a thing so that you can listen to it right now. Two, the easier one, you could just leave a rating and a review on the podcast app of choice that you currently use. Either one of those is fine, but I would love it if you would do either one, specifically the rating and reviewing. It's an exponential thing that the algorithms pick it up, and that's just math. It's just compounding on top of itself. Anyway, all that to say, that was it. That was the ad break. And now we're going to get back into it. So what has been the biggest change for the way that you kind of see faith and religion um, as you've been working your way through the wisdom of hobbits? Seeing, seeing God and seeing all the mystery and complexity that we talk about God and theology is just so simple in like tending to a garden. I mean, like if God is everywhere, God is in the garden. And it's so how, how more like intimate can you get than putting your hands in the dirt and growing something? Mm. Um, I think that the biggest take, the biggest thing I think of when I'm thinking of hobbits is just their, uh, Tolkien actually describes it as they have like an ability to disappear in the landscape because of their magical relationship with the earth. 
Mm. And I know that's some like deep hippie shit, but um, I, I appreciate that. And I've, I don't know, I don't do church. I don't do prayer, but I think that the, the closest I would ever get is listening to, you know, some nice music while in the garden on a, on a nice day planting or harvesting or fertilizing or doing whatever I'm doing Mm -hmm. to me, like that's way closer to church and way closer to God than I ever got leading worship playing those Hillsong songs. (laughs) (laughs) If you know what I mean? Well, you don't like E minor seven. So I mean, story, I, Dude, I, I liked like I liked one of their songs, maybe that we played a lot of the Hillsong songs, dude. <laughs> they all do. Um, yeah, the, yeah, all, all of the churches. Gets, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So when I think of hobbits, and you can, you you don't have to agree with me because that's the nice thing about what I think. Um, I I see them as fearful beings, like mm. constantly terrified. Mm-hmm. of everything because everything mm-hmm. is new like even reading through yeah. the hobbit like every experience is like terrifying like i'm thinking yeah. like five-year-old on roller coasters you don't belong on like every one of them is terrifying um yeah. and i think that that fits well with the world that we live in like everything seems to be marginally terrifying i mean yeah. quite literally there are two countries that yesterday could get fuel for um for themselves and today they can't that's terrifying you know, like I could throw out so many examples. Right. What do we have to gain from the way that a Hobbit type person approaches fear, anxiety, trauma? Um, like what could we glean from that and, and apply for ourselves mm. now? Well, I think we'd have to focus on certain Hobbits who are able to move through that. Like whom? My favorite, my favorite character is Sam. Um, Sam is the epitome of fearful. Like he's afraid of everything. And this isn't in the book when he, but in the movies, he's like, this is the farthest I've ever gotten away from the Shire. Yeah. Um, yeah right here. I, he does right stop. Here. He's like, right here. I just, yeah. I don't want to yeah. like, why'd you stop? Well, cause that blade of grass right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that being in the books. I know it's not actually, but I don't know. Um, but no, it isn't. Um, but the, but the point of that is like, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, Sam goes from this very scared gardener who has like ideas of like seeing elves and all this kind of stuff to, you know, being known as Samwise the Brave, you know, the one who carries Frodo up the mountain when Frodo couldn't, you know, make it. Um, the one who rescues Frodo from Kirith Ungol after he's, you know, after Shelob gets to him and then the, uh, the orcs. Um, so I think that is like the archetype that, they go from being like the most, like you said, scared, fearful type of creature being raised, whatever you want to say to, um, if they can get, if they can get through it, we can too. We can, if they can push through that to a place where they confront their fears and and we can too. Mm. And I think that's a, a good lesson to take away. Um, what's interesting is a lot of the hobbits that, are left in the Shire when they come back after a year of journeying to Mordor and back, they're exactly the same as when, when they left. I mean, uh, the scouring of the Shire happens, but many, I mean, many of the hobbits are just the same. They, you know, they have, they haven't changed in a whole year. In fact, many of them sided with Saruman. And, you know, if, for those who have just watched the, the movies, 
they don't just come back to the Shire and everything's happy. I mean, the Shire, the Shire has been like raised. The trees have been cut down. Um, Saruman doesn't, spoiler alert, Saruman doesn't die in the two towers. Um, he, he, and uh, with the help of a bunch of hobbits, um, like destroy the Shire. Hmm. Um, so many of them. I don't remember that. It has been a yeah. tremendously long time since yeah, I read so that's, that. Jackson leaves all of that out. Um, well, I haven't read that movie. I haven't read that movie. You can't read a movie. I haven't watched you, that movie. You can read the script. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> huh. I did not but know then, that. But I think the point, the point is, is that the only hobbits that really change are the ones that, that face their fears and step out. I mean, Frodo is very fearful as well. And, um, you know, there's, there's a great line to like Bilbo before he goes on his adventure. He's like, he's, he's like, absolutely not. I'm not going with these dwarves. And then it says something Tookish rose up in him. And, you know, Peregrine Took comes from a family of brave hobbits. The old Took, uh, the story goes that he chopped the head off a goblin and it went a hundred yards and that's how they developed. That's how they invented golf. Um, so <laughs> there's something within the hobbits that they, they're very fearful to begin with, but they can overcome it. And mm. I mean that again, I'm working toward this. Like I, I see Ukraine and Russia and climate change and I'm like scared shitless. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and rightfully so like, it, yeah. it's like, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, world war three might happen. Yeah. We're not, we're, we might use nuclear uh, weapons. You're like, Jesus Christ. Like that is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The amount of times that that comes up in adult conversation in a real way. And both of us at the end of the conversation, like not you and I necessarily, but even like at work and I'll be like, yeah. And and the other person's like, yeah. And then we're just like, yeah. So you want to, I mean, you want to buy this house? Like I'll, I'll figure out how to lend you the money. Um, I mean, might as well. Cause I don't know. I get just, it's just such a weird world. Um, very weird. Yeah. So want to be respectful of your time. Um, and I will say I've enjoyed this um, mostly because I like flying by the seat of my pants on, on something that I like. I just I, they're more fun conversations. I have no idea how yeah. you feel when you're doing an episode, but I really enjoy everything on the fly. Well, you you ask great questions. So you've really made me think. <laughs> well, um, I normally don't like to do that. I just like to. You know, <laughs> I don't like to think I just want to write my satire. Garden, leave me the hell alone. I just want to garden and write satire. Um, So I I asked this of everyone, although I think the last time you were on, I probably did not ask you. Um, It's been in the last few years. Um, So when you try to put words around whatever the divine God, I don't care what word you want to use there. Like, what is that? Oh, that's a small question. Right. Just Um, small, tiny, light question to end with. I've been really wrestling with that lately i'd say in the past year especially um i sort of now see god as like pure potential in which all reality can like flow into so if does that make sense probably not um I don't, I don't believe in a personal God that I can talk to any longer. Mm. Um, I don't believe even necessarily so much. It's tough because if God has a will or a personality, I just don't have any experience of that. 
I only have an experience. And if I do have an experience of it, I can't, indis- I can't find where it's indistinguishable from me at the core of my best. Because I certainly have a will that's not great. But I feel like when I'm like in line with being empathetic and compassionate, I don't find that that's just indistinguishable from my own will rightly oriented toward goodness. Mm. So I, 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 I don't know if I care anymore. Mm. Is that bad for a, uh, no, it's fine. Are we allowed to say that at church? Can I say that at church? <laughs> you Seth? certainly can. Um, um, honestly, I though, yeah, I don't know yeah. if I care about theology in that way. I care about being a good human and being loving and compassionate and empathetic. And I care about the world in which I live. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the question of God becomes almost like too abstract for me to care any longer. Mm. Yeah. No, fine answer. Um, I'll tell you why I asked that question after I'm done recording. Um, because there is a method of that madness. So the book's out whenever it's out. Who knows when it's out? Because I, I don't know how. I've never written a book. I've had thoughts that I should write yeah. a book and then yeah. realize that it's more work than I want to do. And uh, yeah, watch, who wants to do all that? watch Netflix instead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do people still Netflix and chill? Uh, I don't. I Netflix and sleep. Like I literally turn it on. <laughs> um, although I've been, and this is a guilty pleasure, although I'm, I'm enjoying it less and less, but I've been started. So Top Gun is back on there, and and uh, I, I don't heard. know why, but I really like that movie. I you and do. I, I think well, I think I realized it on. I was watching it on my lunch break today. Is I, it the homoerotic undertones? No, it's I'm the Jets. Fine. Like I enjoy watching the Jets, and I actually thought about it on on my way home from work today. I was like, why am I enjoying this movie so much? Because I I'm not. The story is pretty crappy. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not a big fan of a lot of what happens in it. Um, but I used to go to like air shows out where I'm okay. from in Midland and Odessa, Texas. Yeah. And there was like B-52 bombers that would fly in and like like professional, I would call them athletes, like those fighter pilots that are sustaining like nine, 10, eight, whatever Gs and doing these acrobatic, yeah. like something about that. Like, I'm like, man, that is freaking amazing that one, yeah. a human can withstand it, but two, we built machines that can do it. And um, yeah. it's just a little bit in the movie, you know, where, where they're doing the dog fights. And I think it's that is yeah. what I like. And it doesn't matter. I don't even know why I brought that up. Um, oh, Netflix and chill. It's your fault. Um, it's always my fault. Explain <laughs> me. Um, so you do a lot of things on the in the globe. Where do you want people to go to engage into the things that, that you happen to be doing? Oh, well, you know, social media is fine. Uh, my website is yeah. allsetfree.com and all of my social media handles are just on a little icon because, you know, I have a web guy who's good at his job. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, everything is like linked through there. All the books are there. The podcasts are there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of yeah. social media, I meant to ask you this and I didn't. What would be the social media of choice from the choices that you have today for 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 a hobbit? Oh, the social media of choice for a hobbit? Yeah. Of, of the ones that we have today, you know, everything from, you know, TikTok to, to yeah. Facebook. To, yeah. What, what would be the one where you're like, yeah, this is my jam. <laughs> I just can't, can't imagine them on TikTok. Um, <laughs> is Pinterest social media? They'd I just be pin, pinning recipes to I, second for food. Yeah. Fine. Fair enough. I, I, I think, think it counts think they, as a social I, media. I think it I, is. I would, the first one that popped into my head would be Pinterest. That's not um, a word that I thought of in a long time. Pinterest. Maybe a uh, maybe a very small group in on a, a Facebook group. 
<laughs> um, it's it's a ridiculous I, question. Maybe, <laughs> I like how seriously you're considering it. I'm very I'm serious very serious <laughs> about this. Um, Pippin would probably have a really idiotic Twitter account. I'm gonna guess. <laughs> At full of a toque or something, I don't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> either way, I like to end on laughter. With that, I'll give you back your evening. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to reading yeah, the book because I do like those characters, um, and I like that world. Um, and I'm well, looking. I, my my goal in the book is to make the world like even more likable for those who aren't uh, huge fans like I am. Yeah, or huge nerds, as my wife says, as she rolls her eyes. Everybody's as everybody's a nerd about something. Just admit right? it. Everybody's a nerd about something. Like I've watched people would, spew out fantasy football and fantasy baseball facts, and I'm like, why are you doing fantasy baseball? It's already a 300 game season. It's not, but it might as well. Be. Like, what do you? Come on. Right. Yeah. Well, so it's funny that the um, the the people who made fun of the nerds now have like the most nerdiest thing, which is fantasy sports. And yeah. It's like, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I like sports too, but just admit yeah. you're, we're all nerds. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Love yeah. It. With that. Good, good, good. Well, thank you again, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. I haven't added it up, but there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of podcasts on the internet, and I am humbled that you continue to download this one. If this is your first time here, please know that there are transcripts of these shows. Not always in real time, but I do my best. And if you go back in the logs, you can find transcripts for pretty much any episode that you'd like. The show is recorded and edited by me, but it is produced by the patron supporters of the show. That is one of the best, if not the best way that you can support the show. If you get anything at all out of these episodes, if you think on them or if you, you know, you're out and about and you tell your friends about it or, hey, mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, boss, pastor, here's what I heard. What are your thoughts on that? If this is helping you in any way, and it is helping me, consider supporting the show in that manner. It is extremely inexpensive, but collectively, it is so very much helpful. Now for you, I pray that you are blessed and you know that you're cherished and beloved. We'll talk soon.